in a different book in light of uh, our high school senior Sunday. So if you will find a copy of God's Word, you'll find it in the pews in front of you, or you'll also find the text in your bulletin. And I do encourage you to bring your own Bible. It's a great, uh, great thing to have to flip through the pages. That way you know where it's to be found. But turn if, to, turn, if you will, to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I will say before I begin that this was my text that I chose after prayer and then reading the paragraphs on the back of the bulletin. Um, this contains Lucy Hughes' uh, life verse that she identified on her own about uh, being courageous and the Lord being with, with us. It's quoted in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and then referenced here in verse 9. So it's fun to see how the Holy Spirit works these things out, isn't it? All right, well, hear now the word of the Lord, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the lands of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law uh, that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. And so, Father, as we seek you and pursue you through your word, we ask, O Lord, that you would work mightily in our midst. We pray for the anointing of the Spirit upon the hearer and the preacher. In the name of Jesus, we humbly and boldly ask it. Amen. There is a thread that runs through the entire Bible, uh, and you'll recognize it, but it has a theological word. It's called the Emmanuel Principle. The Emmanuel Principle, now you know the word Emmanuel. You know it from Christmas time when we talk about Jesus, our Emmanuel, which means God with us. And certainly Jesus was and is God with us. He is Emmanuel and that God came to earth, took on a human nature, lived and died and ascended into heaven. And now we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. But this principle, the Emmanuel principle, can be found throughout the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That God is with His people. You think about how creation began. Do you remember the, the special fellowship that Adam and Eve had with God? That He would walk in the midst of the cool of the garden. We're not even, even entirely sure what that means. But He had this special relationship and fellowship with Adam and Eve. But then was broken 
by the fall. But God in His redemptive purposes was putting a plan into place so that it would continue that the dwelling place of God would be with man. And as we think about Moses coming and there is Moses in the burning bush. Excuse me, God in the burning bush appearing to Moses. And then you had, as, as God led His people out of Egypt, do, do you remember the special mark of God's presence? They, they didn't have to wonder where God was. Was God with them? Well, yes, because they could read their newspapers at night by the pillar of fire. And they could see the cloud of smoke during the day. There He was. Then at Mount Sinai, where God meets with His people to the point where the people say, No more, no more. Moses, go between us and them, please. And certainly, moving ultimately to the tabernacle and the temple, right? The, the way that God would dwell amidst, the holy God would dwell amidst His people, separated by His people with blood. But this blood would ultimately point to the one, the God-man, Jesus, who, who would come and dwell and tabernacle with us on earth as the perfect sacrifice. And we are moving towards the day when God creates the heaven, new heavens, the new earth. And Revelation 21 tells us that, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man in a very special way. We, we look forward to that. But, but now as believers in Christ, we still have the Emmanuel principle that God is with His people. Now, while this sermon certainly has clear application for Lucy and Reagan. It applies equally to every one of us. It's an amazing text. And so, you know, really whether your, your life is changing with graduation or with different changes and seasons of life, right? caring for loved ones or illness or struggle or in your job, you know, changing seasons can be scary. Let's just be honest. Seasons of change and transition can be very scary. But in the midst of all that, we have the Emmanuel principle that God is with you. It's important that God's with us, right? As we think about seasons, seasons of change. You know, seasons of change are hard, but they're also pretty exciting too. Sometimes harder than exciting. Sometimes more exciting than hard. But it's usually a little bit of both. Where do we see that in our text? Well... First, we see that for Israel, their only leader as a nation had just died. Right, for 40 years, Moses had led the people of God out of uh, Egypt into the wilderness. Um, they would meet with God through the mediation of Moses at Mount Sinai, where the Israelites were made into a nation and entered into that covenant with God. And they received God's law, which included the Ten Commandments. Now, you'll remember at that point, they were supposed to march into the Promised Land. God was going to destroy all the bad guys before them. And instead, they rebelled. And they did not do as they were called. And they were afraid. They said, we will not go. And so they had to wander the desert for 40 years, waiting for all those ages 20 and older to die in order that they might go into the promised land. But now, through all of this, Moses is dead. That's a big change. That's a really big change. There, there are a lot of questions, right? There are a lot of questions at this point that the Israelites would have been facing. Would the promises that God made to Moses, would they carry over to Joshua? What's going to happen? God has made the promise that this is true. 
But there's always that moment of, okay, okay now's the time. Right? It's really here. We get this in verses 1 through 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. One of the things that's scary about seasons of change is that there's no going back. Right? There's no going back. And there was certainly no going back for the Israelites. Moses was dead. Joshua was God's appointed leader. That had been made clear. And now it was time to move forward. There were a lot of opportunities for the Israelites to be afraid. But there's also some really exciting stuff going on as well. I mean, where are they going? Where are they going? They're going into the new land. They're going into a land, a land that, in which they'll live in houses they did not build. So God had provided for them. He'd gone before them. He'd been preparing the place. Remember Abraham, you know, this, the, um, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 15. And said, it's not time. It's not time. I have to wait another 400 years. 400 years, God had been getting ready the place through bad folks. But soon they would enter in and eat to vineyards they didn't plant. A land flowing of milk and honey, of great prosperity. It was an exciting time. However, however, there, there were some challenges ahead. Primarily the challenges were that there were people still living there. The same people that had made the original spies, at least 10 of the 12, afraid in the first place, guess what? They were still there. Let me read to you the description of them in Numbers chapter 13 when they had decided not to go into the promised land. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. You know... I don't know about you, but every time I get to a new exciting and scary season of life, I think that I'm the first person in the history of God's people to ever face this. Right? And by the way, I have a very short memory because I've been in similar places in the past. And ever, let me think if God left me on my own then. Nope. No, he didn't. But I act as if he did. I act as if this is a new struggle. And well, oh man, is God going to be faithful? Instead of looking at the history of God's people, looking at the history of my life, and looking at the promises of God. You know what's hard for me when those seasons arise is just the fear of the unknown. You know, the fear of the unknown. What's next? That's hard, isn't it? That's really hard. Because it means that I'm out of control. And I'm actually going to have to trust God for once. Wouldn't that be nice if that was my normal default setting of my heart, that I would trust in the Lord? Right, I trust in the Lord. And then you get to those moments and you find out just how much you trust the Lord. Um, I'll say this to Lucy and Reagan. Though there will be seasons ahead of you in which you don't know exactly what's coming, your God does. And He has prepared the way for you. He's prepared the way for you. You know, uh, y'all have a blessing that I didn't have when I went off to college, as, as old as I am. 
and, uh, and that's GPS. Uh, GPS, I didn't have a smartphone until I graduated seminary. Um, and I didn't have a GPS until I graduated college. My parents knew I was going to Birmingham. I said, here, son, you're going to need this. See, I'm geographically challenged. And so, did I hear an amen from my bride? And, uh, and so, you know, GPS is great because it tells you where to go and what to do. And here's the thing. Even when we don't know where to go and what to do, we have the Emmanuel principle. That God is with us. God is with us. We get this all over our text. Verse 9 especially. For the Lord, all caps here, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yahweh, their God. Think about what this would have meant for Joshua and the Israelites. They lived in a time in which the pagan nations believed that gods were confined to a particular land, right? And they didn't have any authority over another land. They were leaving one land, going into another. Would God go with them? Well, the Lord, He is different from the so-called false gods. He is the one who created all things, the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, the, the earth and the fullness thereof. They belong to God. There's nothing He didn't create, and over no square inch is there not some little part over which He says, Mine! You know, it's, uh, if you go to Castleberry, you've got that long trip to Castleberry, right? And will God go with you? Will God be there? You know, God is in Castleberry. He will go with you on that trip. He's there in a couple ways. One, he, He's there because He's already there. It's not like He takes a car that's faster than yours and beats you to Castleberry. He is already there. But guess what? He's also with you the, the whole way there, not just because He's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere. But my friends, He is in you. Now, Lucy and Reagan, y'all are the first seniors that uh, I've had uh, your entire time in youth group as a pastor. That would have been last year, but I, I, we didn't have any graduating seniors last year. And I've heard your testimony when y'all became members of this church. And I've seen what the Lord has done in your lives. I know you love the Lord, and I know that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. You have the Emmanuel principle. Wherever you go, the Lord is there because He is with you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. This is good news. This is fantastic news. Because oftentimes when our friends and family are having a hard time, we're there for them. And even sometimes for an extended amount of time. But at some point we must leave. Or they must leave us. But my friends, the promise in this text in verse 5 is very dear. I will not leave you or forsake you. Notice that that is not conditioned upon anything. I will not leave you or forsake you. And it's for these reasons that God commands Joshua and the Israelites to be strong and courageous. We, we are told this three times in this text. There are no exclamation points in Hebrew or Greek, and so the way they would emphasize something is by repeating it. Perhaps we do that with our children as well. We repeat those things which we find important. And three times in this text, we are told... What are we told? To be strong and courageous. Now, this isn't the kind of pull yourselves up by the bootstraps kind of courage and strength. Like, today I'm just going to be strong. We've all tried that and it has failed time and time again. Rather, what is and who is the source of our strength? It is the Lord Jesus. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Right? It is when we admit that we need help, that is when we are strong. 
in Sunday school this morning, we talked about um, the, the children's song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. It is so profound, for the Bible tells me so. You know, it says that we are weak, but he is strong. You know, I don't know about you, but there, there are two times in which it is tempting to doubt the presence of God and therefore to be strong and courageous. The, the first is when things that are bad happen. Bad things will happen. There will be challenges. There will be failures before you. And that's not just to our graduates. That's to all of us, right? And it is, it is hard in those times. Sometimes, remember, the promises and the presence of God continue to be true. But it is true. God's promise to be with us, to be present with us, His promises of forgiveness and His love and His faithfulness, those are true even when we don't feel them. See, His promises to us and His presence to us, these things are not contingent or dependent upon how we feel that day. Praise be to God. But also, it's tempting that when we fail and when we fall, Perhaps given to temptation. But even, even in those things, they don't negate the promises of God. Our promises, the promises that God makes to us are secured in Christ Jesus. Paul tells the Corinthians, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He has stood or we have fallen. He has remained faithful when we fail. And we are united to Him. And your, your acceptance before your Father in heaven is not based on your performance. It is based upon the performance of your Savior, which has already been done, is in the books. And His righteousness has been accredited to your account. Well, as we think about this next season, for y'all and for all of us, whatever the Lord is calling you to face, if we think about the presence and the promises of God. He is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Emmanuel principle. You can take that to the bank. But this text also provides us with some uh, very practical advice. Right? How do we apply this text? There, well, there's some really practical advice here uh, to times and seasons of transition. Right? As we think about where the Israelites were, they are looking over the Jordan River, they are in the plains of Moab, they are about to go into the Promised Land, which is, um, well, it's full of bad people. And, and the Jordan River, is, it is, it's at a flood stage, so there, there are a lot of challenges before them. And you've got this new leader, and then God has some very practical advice. God does not leave us or them wondering what's needed for success. The first is to cling fiercely to the Word of God. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now note, good success and prosperous does not mean that you'll become a zillionaire and never have challenges. Uh, it, it simply means that the Lord will give you blessings in the midst of all of those things. That he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We'll talk more about that in a minute. You know, when God told Joshua not to let the book of the law, the word of God, depart from his mouth, what's he talking about? He's not about feasting upon it, you know, with his mouth. Back in those days, you always read aloud. In fact, you always prayed aloud. The idea of praying and reading aloud, these are modern ideas. And so what is he saying? He's saying, spend time in the word of God. He says, indeed, to meditate on it day and night. Now, this is not an excuse to not go to bed. This is rather a Hebrew way of saying, 
Meditate on the Word of God continually. Let it be the theme of your song. Now, when things get busy, stressful, and scary, oftentimes it is the Word of God that goes first. Don't you find that to be true? When when your schedule gets busy, the very thing that we need the most is the thing that we abandon first. I will say to Lucy and Reagan and to others that the patterns that you set when in your late teens and early 20s will in many ways set the patterns you will follow for the rest of your life. Patterns can be changed, but with great difficulty. The earlier you set the patterns of spending time in the Word of God, the better. Now, I know it's surprising to hear your preacher say to read the Bible, right? I say that a lot, actually, and I'm about to give you a Bible. Um, But let me tell you from experience, the best way to equip yourself to make wise decisions and to fight temptation and to stay close to Jesus is to daily carve out time in God's Word. If that means getting up a few minutes early or going to bed a few minutes later, it is worth it. So the Lord tells Joshua to cling closer to the Word of God. The continued here is the role of the law of God. Look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, uh, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. You know, within every new season, new temptations will arise. With every new season, there are new temptations. And a lot of the time, we see God's law as restrictions upon the things that are really fun and the things that we want to do and all the cool people are doing. But my friends, within the law of God, there is both protection and freedom. Now that that seems counterintuitive. There's freedom in the law of God. Because a lot of times we just see it as restrictive, like a straitjacket. But let me try this illustration. So, uh, Lucy and Reagan, when y'all become zillionaires and y'all buy a huge house overlooking a beautiful cliff, 300-foot drop onto crashing waves and rocks, and I mean, it's just this gorgeous view. And then you have five children. Uh, Will you put a fence up between the house and the cliff? I hope the answer is yes. Now, why is that? I hope it's, it's because you love your children. Now, when you put a fence up like that, it's going to provide two things. It's going to, first, it's going to provide freedom. It's going to, you can tell your kids, you can play anywhere in the backyard. Stay in the fence. Don't go over the fence and fall down 300 feet. Stay inside the fence. You can do anything you want. Have fun. Be creative. Go and stumble and fall and play new games. But there's also freedom there. There's also protection. Because it keeps you from falling over the cliff. And this is what the law of God does. It gives us freedom. It gives us so much freedom to go and do and have fun and have new experiences and make new friends and try things and fail and travel. And and it also provides us protection. God really does want what's best for you. He really does. It provides us from protection, from those things which God knows are bad for us, even when we want them. I love a text, uh, a quote from R.C. Sproul. He says, The secret to, secretness to happiness is found in obedience to God. How can we be happy if we are not obedient? There really are blessings 
when we obey God in life. And we will save ourselves a lot of heartache and headache. Now, your salvation is not based on your performance of the law. Remember that. But so much, your happiness will be tied very closely to it. All right, so we have first the Word of God and the law of God. Next, the people of God. Think about the context of our passage. Joshua was not going by himself into the promised land. He was taking a whole bunch of folks, probably two to three million people-ish. We don't have a a complete number. Uh, So he's taken all these people into the promised land, but he was not doing it. He was not doing it alone. He was going with the people of God. And this is how we are meant to do life. As we enter into new seasons, we don't do it alone. That we don't do it alone. And let's be honest. The times of transition are the hardest times to stay plugged into the covenant people of God. Times of transition are the hardest times to stay plugged into the people of God. Whether you're entering a new season of life as you graduate out of the youth group or move to a new city. you got to be proactive about that. But you, you need the church. We all need the church. The church needs you because God's given you talents and skills and spiritual gifts for the use of the congregation. But you need the church too. Because when you fall and fail, and when you're struggling, when you have a hard time, you need God's people to help you. And this is where we worship the Lord. I will say this is the only place where we can have communion, right? Of all the wonderful things that have happened with COVID, uh, you know, online has really helped us a lot. But you know the one thing you can't do online? You cannot take the Lord's Supper. It's important to be with the presence of God's people as we come together to worship, to encourage, to strengthen well, we have the Word of God, the Law of God, the people of God, and finally, let me remind you of the Gospel of God. The Gospel of God. All right? This is the Emmanuel principle at its greatest point. That though we have sinned, and though we will sin, our God has come to earth, taken on flesh for you and me, because of His love for you, Knowing full well, and because of your and my failures, and our many transgressions and sins, and our many iniquities, and He has dwelt among us, living the life we could not, dying the death that we deserve in hell forever, as the wrath of God was poured out upon Him, satisfying God's justice. He really did die. The God-man Jesus, and He really did rise three days later. Let me just say that the season ahead of you, there will be times when you falter and fail. Call me and let's talk about it, please. You find, you'll have a friend in me. Let's talk, right? Um, second, one of the most important reasons to be in the Word of God and to be with the people of God is to be constantly reminded of God's love for you. Christ laid down His life for you and He loves you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, even when you falter. Praise God for that. Well, Lucy and Reagan, in, in both your write-ups in the, um, in the bulletin, you, uh, you, you reference uh, verses that are very special to you. And we've referenced one that Lucy mentioned, and um, Reagan's is from Psalm 18. Let me tell you my, I, I, don't, I guess, life verse or... or the verse I think that's the most precious to me, and I, and I would commend it to both of y'all and to everyone in our congregation. 
Well, you've heard it from me a lot. It's Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He loves you. He has paid for your sins. Let's pray. So our Father and our God, we thank you that we are secure in Christ. There's nothing that can separate us from your love for us in Christ. Lord, we pray not only for Lucy and for Reagan in this season, but for every one of us, that we would remember the Emmanuel principle, that, that you are with us, O God. Lord, that we would be very strong and very courageous. Lord, not letting the, the word of God depart from our lips, but that indeed we would meditate on it day and night. And that we would seek to follow your word, not as a way to earn our salvation, but Father, because you have saved us and a way to live a life that's pleasing to you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.